and welcome to Favourite Friends. My name is Marion Wright and I'm really excited to bring you our newest episode featuring Robin Stevenson all the way from Mumbai, India. Look, you may know her as the wife of Sanjay, but she is so much more. I would describe her as an absolute powerhouse, but this episode actually made me see her in a very different light and you'll figure out why after you listen to it. We talked about starting in ministry, we talk about her meeting and marrying Sanjay, and in the last part of the episode, Robin and I also talked about her struggle with anxiety. This is a really good one, guys. I hope you enjoy it. Here's Robin. Do you think it's harder to be a girl today than it was when you were growing up? I think every generation has its own difficulties. So every woman has to cope with, I guess, the problems of that day and age. Um, I think the problem for girls in the West these days is that we've become so distant from each other that, um, and so distant from our families. So we probably don't have the support network that we used to have, you know, probably, you know, generations ago. So they feel a, a lot more alone and probably feel like they have to, you know, face things on their own. I think that's the biggest part, the biggest challenge that they have these days. I don't really think, I think girls have to face the same sort of things, you know, am I liked, you know, who will I marry? How do I sort my marriage out? Finances, things are the same. But um, today, like, I think that they don't, If and if you don't agree with the right person, then you probably feel more ostracised. So you don't really have the support network that you used to have. Do you reckon social media makes it easier for us to isolate ourselves? Absolutely. Yeah, whereas, like, most people yeah. would say social media no. would enable connection and no. you can stay in touch with more people and engage with more people. Well, but... you can, but the thing is, is because you know that so many people are going to see what you've written mm. or see the pitch you've done, mm. we actually censor everything. Mm. So we're telling them information we don't mind people knowing. Mm. But really, if we go to the heart of who we are, mm. we're not putting that on there. Yeah. So... I'm 28. Yeah. If you could say something to your 28-year-old self right now, like if you could give some advice, what yeah. would you say? Just relax. Yeah. Like just relax. I know you feel like you want everything, you have to have everything sorted and you have to have the big plans and, and which is good to have plans, but the thing is life just has a way of working out. If you're, if you're, you're right with God, your heart's, you know, um, totally 100% towards him, it'll never steer you wrong. It'll, you'll, life will just work out and you've just got to trust that journey that you're on. I think that's what it comes down to. Oh my to. gosh. I feel like that at the moment. I want yeah. everything. And totally. It yeah. feels impossible. Because <laughs> it is. You can't have a I lifetime know. of what you want no. by the time you're 28. I feel like I'm running out of time. That's the problem. You're yeah, not. I know. You've got time. I know. Yeah. And it's when you actually um, put pressure on yourself that you don't have time. Yeah. 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 No, let's not turn this into a counseling session for no. me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. We've been talking about purpose because mm. the theme for the magazine was purpose. Yep. And I will ask you about it mm-hmm. in purpose for you. And But I really want to go back to sort of the beginning. Okay. Where did you grow up? 
I grew up in uh, a very small country town. Well, not country, coastal town. Yeah. Um, in New South Wales called Batemans Bay. Yeah. yeah. Where is that? So it's four hours across, two and a half hours across from Canberra, but four hour, four and a half hours down from Sydney. Was it small? small yeah, town. tiny. So yeah. when I lived there, I think it was had like nine thousand people in wow. the entire town. Yeah, it was yeah. tiny. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so you've you lived there for a while. Yeah, pretty much my entire childhood. Yeah. What was it like? What do you remember oh, about living fun. there? Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was carefree. Like, because it was such a small town, I remember we'd be up at the crack of dawn. Um, and I grew up with a family of five siblings, so I always had friends to play with. Yeah. So from the crack of dawn, we were out of the house. We were building cubby houses, exploring the jungle, you know, going to the beach. We were... Oh, it's, daylight savings was our favourite because it would be eight o'clock at night and we'd be playing yeah, cricket cool. on the street. You know what I mean? I had like what you would consider the typical Australian childhood. You know what I mean? Where you just were adventurous, and I had brothers, so we were constantly doing stuff. It was lots of fun riding bikes and yeah. Because yeah. how many brothers do you have? Four. You've got four brothers. And one sister, yeah. Wow. Okay. And so tell me about moving to – did you move to Sydney first? I did for Bible college. Yeah. Yeah. And did you grow up a Christian? I grew up in a Christian home. Yeah. Um, And I think when I was about probably 15, I started to ask the question – is God real? Because, you know, I knew all the stories, but I'd never had an encounter with God. Mm. I'd never really encountered him, experienced his presence. And, um, and I think, um, that started to make me think, well, am, am I going to church because of my relationship with God or am I going because of my parents? And after a while, I just, I need, I was on a journey. I needed to find him for myself. And so, uh, for two years, I walked completely away from God, completely away from him, moved out of home because yeah. my parents said, if you live under our roof, you go to church. I'm like, fine. You know, the smart, wise Robin thought I'll move out at 16. So wow. yeah, moved you out of home at, six- at 16. Yeah. That's I'd finished. Young. I, it was very young. So I'd finished grade 10, got an apprenticeship as a hairdresser yeah. and was doing hairdressing and yeah, living on my own with a couple of friends. So then what happened? Well, you know, when you don't have, you know, the guidance and the direction of your parents and you think, you know, everything, you just start making stupid decisions. And so my friends and I, you know, we would go to the uh, local pub of a weekend and, you know, we'd just drink and all that sort of thing. I wasn't a, like, and um, eventually after two, after two years, I was like, there has to be more to life than this. Mm. That's when I started really searching. Um, and I remember talking to my flatmate and saying, um, you know, there has to be more to life than what what we're seeing and experiencing. And she said, it was oddly enough, she actually said, I remember when you were a kid. And I said, you remember me when I was a kid? And she said, yeah, you used to go to this thing called Sunbeams. It's part of the Salvation Army things. It's kind of like scouts for girls, but right. it's part of the Salvation Army. Right. And she said, you invited me across. And um, she said, I just wanted to be like you. I wanted to 
do what you were doing because I was just so impressed with who you were and and she said I saw you at church and I thought I want to be like Robin and I was like really and she said God was good for you Mm. that question that that statement made me start to really search again wow was your flatmate a christian no the complete opposite she was she was into like new age stuff who knows what she was praying to and i remember that night she said to me um you know i pray every night and i thought to myself yeah i can imagine who you're praying to but it's probably not god but because she'd said that i thought maybe i should start praying again Yeah, so that night I went into my room and I said, God, if you're real, change my life. And uh, literally within probably two months, I found myself at the front of a meeting giving my heart to Christ. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So then, so you were about 18. Yep, 18, yep. What happened next? Oh, well, for me, I like I if I make a decision, Marion, I am all in yeah. 100%. Yeah. So I when I made that decision to become a Christian, that was it, a lifelong decision. And mm. so I was sold out for God instantly. And mm. so I just said, God, what is it you want me to do? Mm. What should I do with my life? And he's just started to talk to me about going to Bible college. And so that was did he start talking to you from the age of 18? From the age of 18, he about said, going to Bible about college. Bible, Bible college, from the moment I was saved. Yeah, so um, I started saving um, for one year and wow. um, applied to Bible college. And yeah. when I was 19, I saved for only one year, I went to Bible college, yeah, in Sydney. Packed up, moved, you know, four and a half hours away from my family, friends, everything. And, um, yeah, started the journey really with God. I mean, people who know you now and mm-hmm. who have followed your life know that you're in full-time ministry with Sanjay. At the age of 18, could you have even, like, have known in your heart that this is what it was going to look like all these years later? No. And you know what? God tells you things. Um, I remember when he was saying, you'll be amazed at what you do with your life. Wow. And, and I remember thinking, well, what does that even mean? Wow. And now that where I am, and I know I'm, I'm only, I've still got a long way to go. So, so much is going to happen. I just think, yeah, you're right. Like, God, you knew what you were saying back then. I would never have dreamt I'd be doing what I am today. Could not have imagined it. A small girl from Bateman's Bay, do you know what I mean? Living in India, you know, doing, being connected to such incredible people. Yeah, I'm really blessed. And God just has, yeah, been amazing through the whole thing. So age of 18, yep. God says, go to Bible college. Yep. You say for a year. Where was Bible college? Sydney, Chester yep. Hill. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you moved there. Moved there. Um, tell me about Bible college. I loved Bible college. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was some of my favorite years. Because we they had a rule where you, if you were single, you had to live on campus. Yeah, right. And it was like living going to a youth camp for three years solid. It was so (laughs) much fun and it was challenging, like really challenging. A lot of people left. Yeah. Um, they couldn't cope with it and it was really challenging. I probably spent two years out of the three in tears because it was just God just, it was his way of dealing with a lot of issues in my life, but at the same time growing me. So it was a real year of uh, three years of intense growth and, um, 
I guess, self-reflection in that sense. But, um, oh, it was fun. I made incredible friends. I've, they're lifelong friends. I've still got them today. And yeah. um, obviously I met my husband there. So Yeah. Yeah. Before we talk about you meeting yeah. Sanjay, because yeah. I love some of the stories <laughs> you have about Sanjay and Bible College. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about Bible College in terms of God speaking to you about your future? Um, I remember people would all... Always say at Bible College, the statement always was, what are you going to do after college? And mm. I can honestly say, Marion, I had no idea. Yeah. I just knew that I had to be at Bible College. Yeah. And they'd say, what are you going to do? I, I don't know. And I was really grateful for our Bible College principal. Um, you know, we had David Cartledge, who was a real man of the spirit, and he taught us how to encounter God and how to oh, wow. you know, be led by the the spirit of God, you know, to have him direct your life. So I really think going to that Bible college um, under Pastor David Cartledge set me up for for what I'm doing today. And, you know, God just, I just knew I would go wherever he wanted. And I that's all I knew. So people would say, what do you want to do? I'd say, I know I'm meant to be in ministry. They'd say, in what area? I don't know. I'll just, wherever God leads, that's where I'll go. And so that's how I've probably led my whole life with God. Was that a tough place to come to? Did you feel like you had to let go of anything to say to God, all right, I'm all in, whatever you want? Like I said, when I make a decision, I'm 100%. And yeah. I just trusted God instantly. I just, I don't know, like, because I'd grown up knowing yeah. all about him. Yeah. Um, and I guess I did encounter him as a kid and it... Mm. Um, just kind of, I guess, overflowed into my adult years. But, yeah, mm. I just just trusted him and I was like, I've tried making decisions for myself mm. and I know how that ends. It's not good. Mm. Um, I'm hopeless at it. So I'd rather just trust God who knows everything. So yeah. I just, I literally just gave it all over to him. It's yeah. so funny Bible college is a place where there's so many people who are in the same boat who are like, look, man, I don't know why I'm here. God, yeah. God just told me to I, know. I don't really know where I'm going after this, but right now I just know I'm supposed to do the thing. Yeah. And it's like, that's you're not going to get that group of people in the same place very often. It's such a funny experience, it right? Is. Yeah. It is a funny experience. And I think for me too, though, Marion, because I came from a small town, mm. I didn't have big dreams. My big dream was to own a salon one day and possibly, wow. you know, travel with that. I didn't know big dreams. I wow. didn't have massive ambitions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so for me, it wasn't too, I didn't have to let go of wow. massive things. Yeah, I just, right. yeah, I was just like, God, tell me, what do you want me to do? When yeah. you knew, did you know kind of at the age of 18, you were going to be in ministry? Yeah, probably in the first year of Bible college, yeah. I probably, I knew I was going to be in ministry. I didn't want to marry a pastor, would you believe? Really? Yeah, because we had a lot of pastors come through and all they did was talk negatively about being a pastor. Really? And I was like, I don't want to marry one. <laughs> God, I'll be one, but I don't want to marry one. That's how it was. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I know. You can't. It's <laughs> stupid now. I'm like, what? That's quite yeah. funny. It makes sense, though. Yeah. Tell me about meeting Sanjay. Yeah. What was that like? Where did you first meet him? Do you remember? Yeah, I do actually. Um, first day of college, um, all the first year students were ushered into the um, chapel and um, kind of got to mingle and, and look at each other. And you just know when you're there, 
everyone's checking out everyone. So like the whole bridal college thing. Totally. You know what I mean? They totally are. And I only remember Sanjay because his brother was actually uh, two years above us. Yeah. And so um, when they introduced Sanjay, they said he's Tarun's brother. Right. So that's how I remembered him. Um, And we we became pretty good friends at college. But um, first impressions, what did you think? uh, I I wouldn't have said that. He was my first choice. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, he had long hair. He had a ponytail. Oh yes. I'm just like, oh, really? <laughs> who um, is this guy? <laughs> yeah, who is this guy? Great guy to know, yeah. but, um, yeah, I wasn't interested in oh, that way. I forget that he had long hair. Yeah. Yeah, he had very long hair. Yeah. yeah. What was he like at Bible college? Oh, look, I don't want to disrespect Sanjay, but he was – how could I put it? <laughs> Sanjay was a little immature. Yeah. 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 He he was young. Like, so I was 19. He was 18. Yeah. He came straight out of school. Yeah, right. So you can imagine a schoolboy turning up at Bible college. I'd been out working for, you know, yeah. s- several years. Yeah. So I thought I was all mature. Yeah. And Sanjay just came across as this little schoolboy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, I thought, no, I need someone who's mature. And yeah, yeah. I just didn't even think about, I yeah. guess, him at all. When did sense. it change? It actually changed. Oddly enough, like we, there were three of us who used to hang around all the time. Um, there was Sanjay, myself, and a boy called Wally. Um, his real name was Mika, but he referred to himself as Wally. And um, we were good friends. And there was one night I had this strange dream that I married Sanjay. And it freaked me out because he was just a friend. And um, anyway, so every morning we would meet at the same table and have breakfast together. And it was just plaguing me, this dream. And so I'm sitting there, I'm trying to eat my breakfast. And I went, you will not believe it, boys. I had the weirdest dream last night. And Wally just sat up straight away and said, what was your dream? And I said, oh, look, I had this weird dream that I married you. And I pointed to Sanjay. And Wally, our friend, he just stood to his feet and he goes, oh, my God, Sanjay had the same dream. And Sanjay and I freaked out and were like, no, 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 coincidence, coincidence. Um, yeah, so it kind of scared us both. And I remember going up to my room going, no, God, not Sanjay. I don't like this. I don't like that. He, he's too immature. No, I just don't want to marry Sanjay. And then God clearly like almost yelled at me, Robin, I know what you need. Wow. And I just stopped. I went, okay, all right. I can't argue with that. I'm open to it. And that, then from there, I just... I was open. Yeah, that was it. And then got, um, started to see him differently. And yeah, that's how it all kind of started. How much time was in between having the dreams and then starting to date? Oh, look, Sanjay used to ask me out nearly every day oh, for months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know what, Marion, I'd made a decision. Um, I was not going to date anyone um, unless it was the person I was going to marry. Yeah. And so for me, it was... Dating was almost the, the lifelong decision for me. You, if I date you, it means that's, that's it. So I took my time. Yeah. The thing about your story is that God very clearly told the both of you 
Yeah. And I think sometimes for some women, we we don't get those big signs. Like we no. don't get the voice of God very sternly telling no. us. How do you know that someone's it? Well, to be perfectly honest, Marion, I think the only the we just have to understand that we do have time. And I think we try and rush this decision and make a decision when we actually don't have to. Why don't we just spend time getting to know them? Do you know what I mean? Get- have you seen this meme that's like a guy had coffee with a girl and he's like, I just had coffee with her and I think she's the one. No, I haven't <laughs> seen that. Yeah. Or like, or like, you know, I had one conversation with yeah. her and I think she's the girl I'm going to marry. Yeah. And I think in church culture, there's probably a bit more pressure yeah. to do that because yeah. we see marriages everywhere and there's stories like yours everywhere yeah. where you meet someone, God speaks and then bam. Like, yeah, but that doesn't married. mean I, I automatically <clears throat> believed that he was the one I was meant to marry. Really? Like, yeah. yeah. So I just took my my time that's why I'm yeah. saying he asked me out yeah. for months yeah. but I had to be sure yeah. that this is who I wanted to spend the rest of my life with yeah. there was no rush yeah you know I just took my time I was so young I was what 19 yeah. and, or 20 and yeah. so I just there's no rush yeah ever do you think that I know a lot of girls that I talk to are really worried about making a mistake mm-hmm. and like ending up with the wrong person. Do you yeah. think that's a valid fear? Absolutely. Yeah. But if you've got a heart that's after God yeah. and a heart that only wants to marry the the, the right person, yeah. you can trust that God will guide your heart. Yeah. You know when God's telling you no. Yeah. You know you when do. something's wrong. Okay. Totally. You've just got to have enough sense to listen to that. And a lot of girls aren't. And usually they're not because they like the boy. Mm. They want it to be the one. Mm. And if you take that out and just say, God, no, I just want the one, Mm. the right one, then your heart won't mislead you because God won't mislead you, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it makes sense. I thought Josh was the wrong person and then one night God was like, do you trust me? And I was like, no. (laughs) Oh, and then he go. just kept asking. And then yeah. finally when I said, yes, God, I do, I never thought twice yeah. about it ever again. Yeah. Because, yeah, a lot of it, the issues that we think are external are actually like a heart yeah. thing yeah. Right, with yeah. God. I wanted to ask you something that I don't know if you actually get asked about that much, but obviously it's very relevant for me mm-hmm. um, and for lots of people. But you married someone who was a different ethnicity to you. Yeah, yeah. Sanjay is half Indian. Correct, yeah. Um, and I think it's further interesting because you married someone who was half Indian and then moved to India. Yeah. And we talked about this a lot when we were in India yeah. about, you know, because I married Josh, who was a white Australian. Mm. What how, did you encounter any challenge? Was there anything that you feel like you actually had to address in your relationship? Because a lot of people call this cross-cultural marriage, but mm. my auntie always used to say, anytime you put a man and a woman together, you're crossing cultures. It's true. It's beyond culture. It is, yeah. It's actually ethnicity, yeah. you know, and there's culture associated with it, but yeah. it's beyond that. So I don't know. Was there anything at the start that you kind of had to get your head around? So, uh, people may be interested to know, but Sanjay's obviously mum is Indian, but he's a dad's Australian. And honestly, Sanjay was so Australian. Yeah. So Australian. Um, so there wasn't really a lot of Indian cultural things I had to adjust yeah. to. Yeah. I think the, um, the biggest thing I had to, I guess, learn to live with was Sanjay was a missionary kid. 
Yeah. Okay. So he had seen a lot more of the world and his faith level was at a, an incredible height. Like Sanjay's faith was just incredible from the get-go. And so for me, the challenge was to um, lift my faith because, like I said, I came from a small town. Mm. I didn't have big dreams. I hadn't been exposed to the world or exposed to big things. Mm. So, son, like the challenge for me was when Sanjay and I would be talking and, and if God had said something, then um, Sanjay would be like, that's awesome. Like, and he'd just have faith and believe for it straight away, but I would have the doubt. Do you know what I mean? So our, yeah, I guess the trouble was there was that our faith didn't line up. And so, um, but over time, obviously being around Sanjay, I, I, my faith just eventually, I had no choice was to just get more faith filled. I just had to fight for it more than Sanjay did. Um, but yeah, like, so that was probably the biggest challenge. How has your relationship evolved now that you're living in India and you're a white Australian married to a guy who looks yeah. like an Indian, yes. like on the surface. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he didn't open his mouth, you'd think yes. that he was just like anyone else. Yeah. Is it different? Well, I think um, God had been working on me for so many, my faith for so many years. By the time I moved to India, it was, it was everything. It was ready. It was ready for what we've confronted. But I was, I think the thing that um, I was probably most confronted with or was, the level of spiritual attack or activity that I could physically feel and sense. And so it, it um, made me, I guess, it activated my faith to be used daily, mm. not just when I was facing a challenge, but daily. Mm. Like I was using my faith every day, not just some days. Yeah, where... where? So, like, we don't do that. No. <laughs> I don't well, do that. Well, you don't. I mean, you, honestly, like. Well, you go through life, you just assume when you get in your car, you're going to make it to yeah. point B. Yeah. You know, you drop your kids at school, you just assume they're going to be okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But because things were so different for me as well, yeah. um, you know, God protect the kids because I don't know how the ambulance system works here. I don't mm. even know who to call if something happens. Do you mm. know what I mean? So it forced me every day to mm. live in faith, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any advice for um, people who may get into relationships or marriages that cross-cultural, different ethnicities? Yeah. Anything that you've learned? Any wisdom? Oh, I think, um, I think in regard to this, I've seen it. Uh, in India because there are a few foreigners who've married Indians Mm. and I've seen the effect that the different cultures has on their marriage. Mm. And I think um, my best piece of advice is if you are actually thinking of marrying someone of a different culture, learn about it. Yeah. Find out as much as you can about it. That doesn't mean to say that you have to accept every part of that culture, mm. but just find out as much as you can because then you'll get a greater insight into your you know, future husband, the mm. way he thinks, the way his family thinks mm. and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, in regard to marriage, I think the most important culture mm. is your kingdom culture. Mm. That's what you want to establish in your home because mm. um, that goes cross-culturally. It mm. goes, you know... Um, it doesn't matter where your partner is from, you know, whether they were wealthy or poor, you know, mm. Christian or non-Christian. If you'd establish a godly kingdom in your home, mm. then um, 
yeah, you're, the culture of your home is, is founded in God and you can just, you just are aware of the different ways that your partner thinks. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I wanted to know if it was okay to talk to you about um, some of your struggle with anxiety. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so you you've been open about the fact that you struggled with anxiety yeah. for many years. Yeah, it was pretty severe. It was very bad, and it, it always surprises me about you. Yeah, because on the surface you would yeah like you're. You're really strong. Yeah. And I guess that's most of us, right? We walk around and we cope, but no one really knows what's going on. I think people assume because you have anxiety or something like that, that you're not strong. But the fact that you can go through life despite anxiety and still do life and do it well means you're strong. Because we get out of bed even when it sucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me where where did it start for you? Were you always an anxious kid? No, no, not at all. When did um, it start? It actually started. Um, oh, I think it was just after I had Madison. Mm. Yeah. How old were you? Uh, I would have been about twenty five. Mm. Yeah. Um, there were some things going on in um, in our life at the time. Mm. Um, uh, I guess. Um, just in just in life in general, things were going on, which were, I guess, very stressful. Mm. And um, I lived in this constant level of stress, do you mm. know what I mean? And eventually it just turned into high anxiety. Mm. Yeah, that's how it all kind of started. Yeah. What did that look like for you? The high anxiety? Mm. Um, it... What would happen is that um, I would go into situations or approach things and I would just feel so anxious. My heart felt like it was coming out of my chest. I felt like I'd, I couldn't do it. Um, I'd want to not be in, in the position I'm in or, you know, I didn't want anyone to see me, anyone to know me, but I was a pastor. So wow. I had to. And so I was a youth pastor at the time, so I just had to deal with it. And so I'd have to go in and I'd have to just manage it. And, um, yeah, most of the time it was a slow a slow thing. I think the yeah. last two or three years of it was the worst, yeah, yeah. where sometimes um, I'd be in the car and Sanjay and I'd be in the car and I'd just be in tears and just saying, Sanjay, I just... I don't want. I don't want this anymore. I can't deal with this. And Sanjay's, you know, all gung ho. Just keep praying, Robin. You know, and and he was an incredible support the whole way through. But this was a journey that I had to go on. I had to overcome this. Um, so did it have yeah. an effect on your marriage? Uh, no. I actually think it improved everything because Sanjay yeah. was he was very gentle and he was he was very compassionate. And he didn't put too much pressure on me. He put enough pressure on me to, to not give up, mm. but he didn't put so much that I just felt like I was on my own. So I had a lot. He was, he was wonderful through it. Mm. But you know what? I found the greatest strength in my prayer life, honestly. Yeah. So tell me what your relationship with God looked like. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, honestly, I just loved God and I didn't understand what I was going through, didn't understand why I was going through it, but I just knew that God was there and God was faithful. 
And I had some of my greatest encounters during that season, Mm. I guess, because I'd press in more. Mm. You know what I mean? I really would press in and I could just, I could start praying and I could just be laid down on the floor for hours just because I just wanted his presence because I knew it was his presence that was the thing that was going to fix me. It was his presence where I found peace. It was his presence I found joy. It was his presence I found clarity of thought. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that's where I I lived there. Mm. Like... So often I I made myself go for walk prayer walks every day and then I'd pray at night. I was, yeah, it was, he was my strength. Really he was. Yeah. Tell me about that time you were journaling and you said to God, I'd rather just die. Yeah. So that was, that was tough. I, um, that was the worst of it. That was the, it had just yeah. gotten to the, a really bad point. How many years in are we talking at this oh, point? Oh, we're talking five six years yeah yeah slowly just getting worse and worse and it just was at a point where I just went like because I knew that I was you know um I knew God was taking me into greater things and I knew that if I'd stayed in the position I was in if I continued this way um it would not only affect my ministry my marriage but it would affect my kids Mm. okay because Maddie was getting older Mm. she notices things more Mm. and so um I remember um, it was just too much. I remember just, I'm just like, God, I've had enough of this. Mm. And, I, and I said, if I have to live like this for the rest of my life, it will destroy my marriage. It could destroy my marriage. It could destroy my children. I don't want that. So I said, God, you either fix it or just take me to heaven. Mm. I didn't want to live. Yeah. What did God say? He just said very clearly to me, he said, Robin, just hold on. It'll be over soon. And I just, like, at that stage, I was at the worst of it. You know, I could just, like, God, just take me now. I just don't want to do this. And he goes, Mm. Robin, I will take you if you want to. He said, but if you hold on, it'll be over soon. And, And I remember sitting there and going, what does soon mean? Yeah. Okay. What, how long is soon? Yeah. And he didn't answer me. And, and I, and then he said to me again, if you want to, I can take you now. But what? if you hold on, yeah. it will end soon. Wow. And I had a choice in that moment. Do I give up or do I trust God? And so I chose to trust God. I said, all right, God. All right, God. I'll, I'll trust you. And literally within six months, I had had an incredible breakthrough. I haven't had it since. This has gone back years ago now. Haven't had it since. Yeah, so tell me what that breakthrough looked like. The breakthrough looked like really what it was was um, God had just given me a key. And the way he gave me a key was um, I'd heard about this thing called um, the 21-day brain detox. And all it was doing was just focusing on me changing the way I think. Yeah, that's that's Caroline Leaf's program. Exactly. And I just focused, I just decided I needed to change the way I think because the Bible actually says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I just knew that my anxiety was caused because of the way I thought. And so I started doing this 21-day brain detox, which just taught me some little principles, practical principles. Do you know what I mean? And the thing I liked about it is she's godly too. So she put God into it. Yeah. After the 21 days, I just had the tools and I honestly, I just kept applying those tools. So now I, you know, I very rarely have anxiety. Yeah. Mm. If it ever tries to rear its head, mm. I just do the principles and it disappears. I just know what to do now. Mm. And it's all to do with catching my thoughts and changing the way I think. 
When you look back on those six-ish years now, mm. what was God's purpose in that time? Because I imagine that some of it would have been horrific. Yeah, but towards the end it was horrible. Yeah. It really was. Um, I don't think God ever allows us to go through a season that, like, or throws a season away. I think God uses everything, you know, and I, th- I have um, – learned many things actually I learned that God is incredibly faithful Mm. even though you don't understand the situation or the season you're going in he's still faithful Mm. I I just saw that like even in my valley he Mm. was there and he even in my darkest hours his light was still shining and it gave me hope it gave me something to look forward to he was speaking to me he was encouraging me and he was my closest friend at that time Mm. and I just saw like the love and the grace and the mercy and the patience of God because mm. I could get angry at him, yet he was still kind. He mm. was still gracious towards me. And the other thing, just learning the power of your thought and your words, we throw them away and not realizing just how, how much effect they have on our daily life. So just being able to catch your words, catch your thoughts before they snowball and become a bigger issue than they need to be yeah yeah I think my anxiety told me that I trust my thinking and my emotions way, way too, too much, much. Way give them too way much. more credit than they yeah. deserve they're allowed yeah. to run wild yeah we allow them to be unchecked and totally. they just have so much power because yeah. they have access to our heart they have access to our you know our beliefs it's and so we just have to guard it and that's how yeah we just have to guard it. Yeah. Mm. That's so amazing. Okay. Um, what advice do you have for people who struggle with anxiety at the moment? Uh, one of the most interesting things that I think I'm learning about working with young people is that more and more people are actually being diagnosed with anxiety at the moment. So it's such a common thing yeah. for I reckon like 70 or 80% of the kids that I work with yeah. have some level of it. Yeah. How do you tackle it? What advice do you have? My advice is this. Um, I think a lot of us, what we do when we face this is we isolate ourselves and we don't let anyone know. Mm. And um, I guess I think the thing we have to remind ourselves is that we're actually not alone. Mm. Even if there's no person around, God's always around. Mm. So you can talk to him. Mm. But don't be afraid to open up. Mm. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to, you know, you've got pastors in your life for a reason. You know what I mean? You've got um, godly leaders in your life for a reason. So talk to them about it. They may not have the answers, but it's it just, uh, you know, mm. just knowing you're not alone. Don't you think one of you. the biggest lies we've bought into about the modern church is that everyone is walking around with perfect lives? Yeah, totally. I just don't even understand what people nah. say to me. Like, mm. oh, you look like you've got it together. I'm like, no, 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 I'm a mess. But God is awesome. Yeah, like, that's it. I'm functioning because of Him. Yeah, you know, I think that it's such a mistake thinking that, or like for people like you who are living yeah. this incredible life and yeah. on a platform quite regularly, for yeah. us to just assume that yeah, you know, you're good. You wouldn't understand. 
you yeah. know, what I'm going through. Yeah. yeah. But I, but at the same time, I didn't just tell anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah, was very yeah. guarded as to who I told because yeah. I needed to tell people that were safe. Yeah. And, but at the same time, yeah, you're just, you're not the only one. You mm. need to know every mm. single person, mm. the most famous people, mm. even the Queen of England who looks like she's got everything, is has issues mm. and it's okay to, to acknowledge that you have issues mm. and when they when we keep them in the dark mm. that's they grow but and they can live there unchecked but as soon as you bring them out into the light they're forced to be dealt with True. and so it's good to bring it out in the light yeah. did you get any counseling you know um what happened was I didn't know what it was I just mm. knew I wasn't coping mm. So I turned to Sanjay and I said, look, I'm just going to go and see um, just someone to just try and figure out if I'm not crazy. Mm. I mean, I'm acting crazy here. It's just crazy behavior. And so um, I remember going to a counselor called Peter Bajanetsky making an appointment. Mm. And he just, I sat there and I told him what was going on. He goes, oh, I know exactly what it is. And I was like, what? And he goes, it's high anxiety. And I said, what is that? And he explained it to me and he goes, it's okay. He said, I've got high anxiety too. I'm like, great. First I realized, I know what it is. There is a label. I know what it is. Secondly, I'm not the only one. It's really good to know. So that was really good for me. And then he said to me, you can either take, you know, be on drugs with it, you know, take medication for it. And, you know, or you can put some things in place to try and deal with it. And I'm like, I am not spending the rest of my life on medication. I know what it is now. I know what now what I have to fight. So I only went once. Yeah, wow. Well, that was it. Cool. <laughs> Has it changed you as a person, what you went through? Oh. I think coming onto the other side changed mm. me mm. because um, I think now because I've seen the power of thoughts – and the power of words, um, I've probably become like uncompromising in what I allow in my thought, mm. my thinking, and in my speech. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's where I've changed. I've probably just become a, a little more aware of that now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we even tell our children, you know, if they say something, it's like, no. Don't say that, you know, because so like, yeah. I've seen the power of it. Yeah. I've seen how ne- the negative effect it can have on you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wasn't she fantastic? In the next episode, Robin and I talk about her crazy journey to India and how to move an entire family overseas. You have to make sure you tune in for that one. And if you know someone who needs to listen to this episode, why don't you share it with them and subscribe to us in iTunes while you're at it. And we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think about the podcast over on our Insta at favor.women. That's spelled F-A-V-O-U-R. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about us, hop on over to ICchurch.com. We'll see you next time.